0: Guys. Happy belated Easter, if you practice it. Happy still continuing Ramadan. Happy Passover. Happy all the holidays. Happy any other
1: Sunday, if you don't celebrate anything. Like hey, Yeah, just, like, just
0: hope you're doing well overall. We have a special guest with us
1: today. Alicia, do you want to describe person? One of person? the
0: most special guests yep. we've ever had on this pod. Yep. Um... It honestly would have been blasphemy if we didn't have this individual on the podcast. I have lived with her. I have filmed a movie with her.
1: Well, everyone thinks that you guys are dating half the time. That's
0: a good story. But but more importantly, um, she is one of the best souls to ever grace the planet. She is ridiculously talented. So it is only right that she comes on and kikis with us and we get to pick her brain and also just celebrate her because she has some pretty awesome things going on. For example, the wonderful Praise This that just came out on Peacock. She is one of the leads with the Chloe Bailey. Um, it dropped April 7th. People are eating it up. She is a multi-hyphenate. She writes and is a black queen. And that is our sister, my wife, Angelica Washington. Woo! Hi, Ange. How are you doing?
2: Hi. Hi. Now, if I don't have that type of introduction for the rest of my life, just don't even invite me. No, might as well. (laughs) If the introduction isn't like that from my girls, I don't want it. No, why would well, you? Well, Angie boo,
0: you know I will go anywhere and everywhere with you to give you that intro and be like, don't play about her. But That's I'm, a how fact. are you doing well, I mean, today? She actually went around
2: and corrected people how to say my name. As, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As she should. Well, she's she's also done that for me when everyone's like,
1: hi, Yasmin. Hi, Yasmin. And she's like, it's it's Yasmin.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <no> <laughs> I don't play about the people I no. love. No. So, welcome to the pod. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. I'm tired. I'm recovering yeah. from a wonderful weekend. Mm. Obviously, you just said it, the movie came out and I was with my family for Easter for the first time in four years. Mm. So that was really nice. And so, yeah, happy to be here. Now I get to like actually see where y'all are recording all the time. You
0: said something that I want to touch upon. It was your first Easter in four years with your family. And that is because you've been nonstop working. Like you are always on go. You are always so busy. How has this rollout felt different from other projects? Like the rollout of Praises... How are you receiving it being out? Because it's, you know, it's very new. Um,
2: But yeah, like how is that all going for you? Thank you. Um, You know what? This has been the most different for sure. It's my fifth movie ever, which is exciting. My first time getting to co-lead something, which is also exciting. And I think I've had the most anxiety with this coming out than anything else why just because i've actually had an opportunity to like help carry a movie Mm. i've actually Mm. had more than just like four scenes you know i have like majority of the dialogue in the film majority of the jokes in the film you were the
1: comedic relief throughout the whole entire thing
2: yeah and so just that weight of it and me just like having this um you know what it is The honest truth is that this is my first black project and my first Mm. introduction to my own community, Mm. and I think Mm. I'm most anxious of how they perceive me and receive me. Sure. And so I think that that's where the anxious energy comes from. Yeah. Because I've been acting for ever mm. but this is my first time in something where people that look like me finally get to see me mm. and a lot of them don't know who I am because they've never seen yeah. my work. I've been working for a long time but they haven't really gotten a chance to see me and so I think I've just been really anxious. I'm having a lot of like posting anxiety like sure. making a post or a draft and then just like not posting it at all because no. I'm just like yeah. never mind. just abandoning it.
1: Well, I wanna also bring up, you said this when we were at your screening this Saturday and you said that when you were in Atlanta with your mom, you guys were at a supermarket. And she made a comment to you. Can you share it? Are you comfortable sharing yeah. it with
2: everyone? Yeah. Um, I was at the grocery store with my mom, like yeah. Yaz said. And we were just walking around. I was literally in like sweats and a t-shirt. Sweatpants, so hair tied, chilling with no makeup That's on. That's the prettiest. prettiest. I, I hope, hope you, you don't you're say you're wrong. wrong. Exactly. And so my mom just goes, Ange. And I'm like, what? She's like, this is the last time you'll be in an area or a grocery store or in a public place that's full of black people and no one will know who you are like this is the last time that's an insane thing to, how did how did you receive that in that moment i it kind of hit me yeah that was the first time it actually hit me okay because we were in atlanta for the premiere of the movie and that yeah. was a moment where i went oh my gosh i think you're right like People are gonna watch this movie. Like in my head, I'm like, Beyonce's mom will watch this movie. There's a chance Beyonce will watch this movie. Yeah, shit. you know what I mean? There's a chance Cardi B will watch this movie. There's yeah. one of her songs in there. Meg the Stallion songs in there. Like so many people that I love and that I watch and they feel like, almost, like, not real, really. Like, they don't feel, like, in my reach. They feel, like, worlds apart. Like, I feel like I'm an actress who's still a regular person, and they feel, like, in a different world. But the moment that I think they're gonna know I exist is just wild. Wild. It's scary.
0: Yeah. And Angie, you said something, and as a sister, I just want to take a moment for you to know that, like, you are loved by your own community. I think that there's A different weight that we don't always explore when it comes to being an artist, um, maybe specifically an actor from a marginalized community and disenfranchised communities and understanding that you have to think about how you're going to be perceived on a large scale by the world. But specifically, like being a black woman, Mm -hmm. you and I personally take it very seriously. Um, that we respect and uplift the communities that we come from and we play pl- powerful young black women. And you're doing that. I just, I, I feel like you no, need to you hear are. that Thank during you. this like transformative time. And I'm so excited for you because I think there's so um, much to expect in the journey, but like you're very unknowing at this point, but I'm just so excited for the world to receive you and like, For you to be a part of black joy in a lot of ways. I feel like I just have to say that as a sister. I just realized we haven't explained to people how we know each other. We just said, this is our wife, our sister, our friend. Mm -hmm. Um... (laughs) So do you want to share with people how we met or any memorable experiences you have with us?
2: Yes, I met Alicia and Josie working on the Netflix movie Moxie. Um, Such an incredible, life-changing experience directed by the one and only Amy Poehler, by the way. Queen. Um, We love her. And um, it was an incredible experience. I will say still to this day of every project I've ever worked on, that has been the most life-changing. Same. Just because... It's such a beautiful opportunity when you get to make wonderful content, but it's an even more beautiful experience when you get to make wonderful content and meet wonderful people Uh and then take those people with you in your life and on your journey because that doesn't happen all the time. And I'm very aware that like you go in and you do jobs, you work on shows, you work on movies, and it just ends there. You know, like, once you rap, once you're done, that's it. You know, you don't really see them again or talk to them again. That's kind of how this industry is. So I think it's really special to, like, make friends that you love. And But I'm also very picky. Like, I really curate my friend group like I handpick every yeah every bitch that's in my group all my girls all my girlies and all my all my my they's my them's my boys my everyone everyone has been like handpicked because I'm so particular about the people that are around me and I really do have good discernment and anytime I lean into that and like trust my intuition I've never ever ever been wrong ever
1: that's that's funny you say that because I feel like as we grow up, especially in this industry,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're surrounded and we meet so many people and we meet so many friends of friends mm-hmm. and uh, f- friends removed from friends mm-hmm. and we all become very playful and like kind with each other. And I feel like recently or not even recently in the past couple of months, I've been feeling like gut feelings over some people that I'm like, maybe I don't want to surround myself around you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're great to hang out with in a group setting, but maybe I don't want to hang out with you that much.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you get that a lot in L.A.? 100 percent. And I feel like now that I'm older and now that I'm I've had more experiences being on set, meeting actors with Praise This was a really awesome experience because I got to work with musicians and artists and influencers and mm. people that I normally don't work with on a set. I'm usually just working with actors, you know? Yeah. And so that also showed me um just the different types of people that are in this industry that, you know, I haven't really had a chance to meet yet. And it also really showed me who... I am and who I want to be and the type of people that I want to surround myself with. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I learned a lot, not just with that project, but really just meeting people, like you said, living in L.A. Like, I really am not into that influencer cloud chasing shit. And I have zero desire to be around people who are obsessed with that because I cannot stand, like, if you have your phone out at all times when I'm with you, I don't want to hang out. Because I I don't also want to record every little second of our conversation. I want to just be you and me. I want to be a person. I want to connect. I want to have, like, a human connection. Like, not everything is for the gram. Not everything is for TikTok. Like, we're just people. And I also just, like, acting is a thing that I do, but it's not all that I am.
1: Mm. 100%. 100%. I think think it's hard to find that, though, in L.A. Because Mm -hmm. this is where, like, everyone everywhere comes to to get that career boost. I,
3: absolutely. I love that. Angie, I think you are one of the most exciting young actresses right now and are genuinely one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And to think that you are starring in this movie and you've had several number one movies on Netflix and you're at this new height of your career is so exciting. But obviously, you weren't always at this place. And you started from a very different place. And even just looking back, you know, five, six years ago, can you, like, walk us through where your mind was at and what you were doing? and um, If you feel comfortable opening up about, like, those Lyft days and yeah. those Starbucks days and yeah, I the was, days that basically grounded you to get you here. Yeah. Um, literally
2: six years ago, I was working at Starbucks for— an hour, I think. And I was working the 3.45 a.m. to 9 a.m. shift. And then I would have like a 30-minute break and eat a snack and drink a coffee. And then I would drive Lyft from 9.30 a.m. to like 5 p.m. And then I would just do that every day. Every day I didn't have an in-person audition. That's what I was doing. Like every day. And then when I did have an in-person audition, I wouldn't drive Lyft because Starbucks and ended at 9 a.m. So I was free during the day to audition. And that was how I sustained myself. And I lived in the living room of my old apartment and I did not have a door. I had a curtain that like closed off everything. And I just had like my bed in there. Like it was The artist struggle. It was like the artist hustle grind life. So this life has been like a whirlwind. But yes, at my screening that you all came to, which I'm so grateful, I love you all so much. um, I had some of my very, my very first friend that I ever made in LA. And I met him doing background on I believe, it was either Ant Farm on Disney Channel or like KC Undercover, like something, one of those. And then there were four other people there that I for sure met on KC Undercover doing background on Zendaya's show years ago when I like first got to L.A. And so it was really special that all of them were also there because I met them so long ago when I literally knew nothing, didn't have an agent, didn't have headshots, was still like taking acting classes, was still just figuring it out. You know what I mean? I was like, what is SAG-AFTRA? Like what the fuck is Sag
1: What after? is that? I ask myself that every single day <laughs> that, that inspires me because it feels like the, the, divine timing like mm-hmm. everything will set you up for where you need to be like i. I I'm working, you know, a nine to six job. I don't have an agent, and then I'm seeing you, and I'm like, I could fucking do it, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. an, like Angelica brings me hope to do this. And not only do you do that with just sharing it right now, but like with all of your work being in, you know, Star Girl, Tall Girl, Moxie, anything with girl in it, anything that's that right. girl.
3: <laughs> I feel like every time I'm in a lift or ride-sharing vehicle, mm-hmm. suddenly I'm leaving with. A crazy story. I had an Italian Uber driver the other day. He gave me like this weird manifesto about life, telling me to stay present. What would you say are some of your most memorable experiences driving Lyfts and the people you encountered?
2: Well, I always met the most incredible people, and I always pretended to be different people. It was like I couldn't afford acting class, so I would just pretend to be different Mm -hmm. characters Mm -hmm. when I was driving Lyft. Like, I would have different accents, different whatever. But a really memorable experience was me picking up Lily Collins' mom from the airport and dropping her off at, like, some wonderful, beautiful, huge house. And she was in town for Lily's premiere of her movie. And I remember picking her up and, like, just telling her, like, oh, I'm an actress, and I'm, you know, in L.A., and I'm trying to figure it out. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm here for my daughter's movie. Her name is Lily. Maybe you've seen her. And I'm like... Maybe I've seen her, like Lily Collins. Like, of course I know who that is. And she was like, "Really? Oh my gosh!" And she just poured like a lot of kindness into me, and was like, "You know, this industry is really hard. You just gotta like stay true to who you are, never compromise. Like, be yourself. You're beautiful. You're young. You're whatever." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much." This good woman could have not been Lily Collins' mom, and I would have no idea. <laughs> no, I would have you no w- clue. No, but here's the thing. But you know what? She I, was nice. She was so she nice. She was nice.
1: We love that. I feel like there's something so spectacular about people who lie. (laughs) End of sentence. No, but people who Uh, lie like going to different stores or like like when I go to Vons or something or like when I'm ordering a Starbucks at a different location that I usually go to, I'll start speaking in a British accent mm -hmm. or a Scottish accent. Yeah. Or like an Arab accent. And they're like, oh, my God. And I will like interchange between the whole sentence speaking in Scottish Scottish, English, like, it, yes. and then like Arabic, like, I don't know what are you doing? <laughs> like all of that. And they think like I'm mentally deranged. But I think it's a part of acting class.
3: If you can't like take it's, it, it's it's fun to switch it up. It also reminds me a lot of when you were sort of building your career in the early days too, how you kind of had to invest in other parts of you mm-hmm. to be even more successful in acting. Didn't your agent tell you, she gave you a piece of advice one day that had to do with booking jobs and, yeah. and leaving, and yeah, she said and it you, worked, right? 100 percent.
2: She said, "If you want to book a job, book a trip."
3: And mm, she was in right,
2: fact. And then I was like, "But if I book a trip, I'll miss the audition." And then she was like, "No, you'll get the audition, because you book the trip. When you go live your life, it makes you a better artist. And yeah. I didn't really understand yes, that. Yes. But she meant like, you're gonna get life experience. You're going to learn how to figure things out, how to take care of yourself on the fly. And when I tell you, baby, I booked that first Lipton sparkling iced tea commercial. I was Ooh. out two weeks later and I backpacked Europe for 31 days. See, you guys already know, but. That's literally, I spent every penny. I blew the whole thing. I regret nothing. And actually, if there's anything I would do, I would actually recommend that type of experience to someone who's, like, really young and, like, figuring it out. Like, take your two best friends. And, like, that was also my first booking, right? My first booking. So I made, like, $3,000. But I think, to me, when I came off ten dollars An hour. At Starbucks. Yeah, I was like $3,000 for one day of work? Heck yeah, I'm going to Europe. And that's what I did. And I think it was the best experience I've ever done. And that's really important because I was
1: really recently talking to a friend. I love him dearly, but he's, you know, a male actor. And I was telling him, I, I took a couple months off of acting classes because I feel like some of these acting classes in L.A. are cults. A hundred percent. Are actual cults. And they're scary. They have like, they praise like, sw- like the, the, it, the instructor, I, like they act like they can't leave. And like, also like, they're just like, we come here, we have to rehearse like five hours a day because I'm like, well, people also have a job. Mm-hmm. People also have a
2: life. And like, you working actors aren't doing that. Just no, LOL. I'm sorry. Just want you to know. Working actors aren't doing that. No,
1: And I so I took a couple months off
2: of acting classes and
1: like then I had an audition for something and I sent the audition to my manager and she was like, that's the best work you've done. And that's like the most unseasoned I was. Mm -hmm. And I obviously I didn't book it, but like it's just having that. And I think you're always like a very much guiding light for me when I like, even just from like working and then also like you have to live your life or else. Well, I mean, isn't that the point of acting, mm-hmm. taking human experiences of what would I do if I were this character in this given yep. circumstance sometimes? That's exactly it. But if you don't live your
2: life and you're then not in circumstances, you? how are you going to know how to handle it when you like get a thing, you know, get a get a scene and maybe the actress is like or your character is like trying to figure out what she's doing. And she's really flustered and she's lost in an airport. But like, have you ever been lost in an airport? I have in France. I have. Yeah.
0: Also, one of my favorite things about you, which I want you to walk people through because I don't think people would know this, is you have done a little of everything. And it is something that I revel in because very much like what you're talking talking about, you were like, I want to live life. I want to have experiences. And didn't you do like a free trial of everything? Like everything. I think that you have seen the most of LA than anyone I know. And please explain to people what
3: I mean by that. That sounds like a movie. Free trial of everything. <laughs> She's Wait, right. that's it's actually a great movie. Really good. A great
2: movie. <gasps> that is a great movie. I could literally write it. I did it. So what she means by that is I was in a point where I was just like really poor. And I just couldn't afford anything. And I was working minimum wage and I was just struggling. And I was, you know, like early 20s, late teens, like I just was figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out. But what I mean by that is at the time I needed to like live my life, but I couldn't afford anything. So I literally went to Google and was like free activities in LA. And I just found anything, whether it was a free Groupon or a free workshop, things on on Craigslist that were free, anything that I could find that was free, I literally went and I would either drag someone with me or I would go by myself and I just learned a lot and I met a lot of people and I just did random stuff. Like I tried an, a free archery class. I took a free fencing class. I took a free silk aerial class. I took- That's a, insane. Like
1: free I can pottery. imagine. Okay, Katniss Everdeen. Like, right. I could imagine you in Hunger Games. Yeah,
2: literally like because why not? And yeah. I, now if anyone's asked me, like I've done it. I'm not good at it, but like I've done it.
1: Okay, so I posed the question then if you could do a free trial right now, what would it be? Therapy. Cause it's so expensive. Jesus Christ. Okay. I, I do have
0: to say you really inspired me of taking care of my mental health um, to new extents and, and ways that I really admire because you've been on the road and you've been working your ass off. Um, but how has therapy helped you? Because you've been consistent with it. And it's actually something that I I mean this, like this is just honestly a sister moment. Like, Thank you for certain conversations you've had with me, with reminding me on how like mental health is something that I don't take care of when I think I need to, but it should be a consistent conversation and something that I should always be mindful of, even at my busiest points. How do you think therapy has helped you throughout filming, throughout, you know, now being on your fifth movie, now being the
2: superstar that has a very different life from six years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Um, Well, I've been in therapy consistently now since 2020. And I started it because of during the pandemic, Black Lives Matter. I just felt like I really needed it at that time. I felt like I was just in a place where you know, my first season of television just came out. We had no idea what was going to happen, if we were going to get picked up. We had no idea what was going on in the world. And I'm. Stargirl, like, where
0: she plays a superhero? Continue.
2: Yeah, I'm exhausted for fighting for my people, fighting for people to just have a chance to live. And I was just exhausted. And I was realizing, like, you know what? I don't know how sustainable. This is. So, I really think I need to see someone and like talk to someone and talk it out. And I think just like different changes in life, it's always really helpful. Sometimes I think people think you need a therapist when you're grieving or you're going yeah, through something yeah, yeah. really deep or dark, but actually you can just have therapy for regular life stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like that's actually been the moments, those tools of having consistent therapy sessions. Even when I feel like the sessions are like, ah, I literally just told her about my week. Like I didn't really do much or, you know, I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over again. I'm still gaining like tools. So when the big shit happens, I am equipped to take care of it. I'm equipped to that's handle huge. it. That's huge. And the irony is, God is so funny because I have found that the biggest moments happen when my therapist is on vacation. Always. Yeah. Don't get me started on that because that is literally me.
1: <laughs> Why are you taking a day off when like when something happened in my family? Always. I know you didn't know
2: about it, but that's your fault. The craziest shit always happens to me when she's on vacation.
3: Always. And it's never just like three days, too. It's she's like be like gone for like weeks three weeks. On an island. I'm yes. like, where... I'm like, are you a therapist or are you Mark Zuckerberg? But as a therapist,
2: she knows to take those quarterly vacations because she, she also really has to take care of herself because she's not only dealing with her own shit, she's dealing with my shit. She's she dealing with self-care. everyone's
0: shit. She self care. She says right. self care, and
2: I love that. So I'm like, she needs it. I support it. But sometimes I'm like, come back. What are you doing? I need you here. But I do think therapy is so wonderful and so helpful and I have learned so much about myself, about who I am and a lot of freeing things as well. Yeah. So that has been really helpful. Like I feel so free. Like now that I know, I don't give a fuck about a luxury car. I'm so happy in my Honda. I love I'm like her I'll car, save my money
1: as you should. I remember Alicia and I were Shout driving Shout out Holly in the Honda. Time. Holly, the Honda, she's a cute little red little nugget. Like Alicia and I were driving in at once, like before Alicia got her car. And the speakers, do- you don't have Bluetooth, right? I do now, but I didn't. Congrats. <laughs> um, and w- and the aux the cord wasn't working, so Alicia's like, "We can't drive without music." She goes back up to the apartment, and and she grabs a speaker, a speaker, and she starts. We start like bumping Tad the Creator on Bluetooth audio on a speaker in little Holly, and it was so fucking funny. Yeah,
2: 2011 Honda Civic. She She has never failed me. She has never failed you.
1: We were talking before this podcast started because you and I, like, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, LA. And there was a long pause. And you just got back late last night from home in Bakersfield. You're from Bakersfield. And before we touch on you growing up there, where are you at with L.A. today? Because you were saying you don't know f- wh- where you- how you feel because I feel that.
2: Yeah, I've just been here for so many years and I'm at this like interesting place in my life right now that really hit me yesterday when I was talking to my mom when I was home in Bakersfield Yeah, and I was sitting with my sister-in-law and I was looking up condos to buy here in LA because I'm still renting. And I'm like, I just feel like I deserve to own something. Like yeah, I deserve do. to buy something. And the prices is just insane. And I really, my my sister-in-law was like, why don't you move back to Bakersfield? You know, you have so much family here. And I'm like, because I don't have as much as I have family there, y'all have kids, like y'all are busy. I am a young, single woman Mm. and like living in a tiny town is just not going to cut it for me. Not right now. Um, maybe if I was like married and had kids and like, you know, wanted to settle down, like maybe I'd go back home and just do the drive to LA. You know, it's not that crazy, but honestly, the only thing keeping me in LA is my community. That- That's it. That If y'all left L.A., I would be out of L.A. That is a fact. I would not be here if you guys left. Like, if you guys leave tomorrow, I'm leaving tomorrow, too. Because I love the weather in L.A. I'm really affected by the weather, which is the only reason why, like, New York won't work for me. Or, like, a lot of places on the East Coast. Because I can't do the cold. I can't do the snow. Like, I can't do the rain. Like, it makes me literally, like, seasonal depression. So I can't have that. I need sunshine in my life. But, like... L.A. specifically is just so expensive. And, like, you guys know I, my phrase that I like to say all the time. I'm like, I'm rich. I like to say all the time. I'm like, I'm rich. I literally don't care. I'm rich. Yeah, She's you a queen are. who knows and, her worth. Yeah, and, like, in the grand scheme of, like, top 5% of Americans, I am. You know what I mean? So, like, great. I'm in the tax bracket. Thank you, God. It's such a blessing. But also, I don't know if I want to spend my money like this, like how the lifestyle of LA is. And as I'm getting older and I'm trying to save and thinking about buying, and I now save, you know, I put a little bit aside every month for my future kids. I put aside every month for my future home. Like I'm trying to get into those like adult saving ways and things like that. And so I'm just looking around and I'm like, how much longer will this be sustainable? And will I be able to really invest in a lifestyle here in Los Angeles? And I Mm. just, I genuinely don't know if maybe I had a partner I think I would be open to leaving I just the only reason I won't is because I'm alone interesting where would you go I don't know I think it would be a decision that me and my significant other would make but right now I feel the most open-minded to try something new because I'm not on a series I'm not attached to anything my lease, I'm month to month. Like, I can go anywhere. I have, yeah. like, I feel like skies is the limit. I just have to figure it out. And I told my mom yesterday I said, 100% if there is a writer's strike and if it goes through, I'm leaving.
3: Oh, I'm, there's definitely there's going to be a writer's strike.
2: Great. So I will sublet my apartment and I will travel and I will be gone for two months and I'll see you when I come back.
3: I see where you, would like, you go in Miami right now? That's I what I why. said.
1: That's what I literally said to her. I was like, I don't know why I see you in Florida, even though Ron DeSantis. You did w- say that. I said to her, I, even though Ron DeSantis would not want. I see her in Miami too. I don't I hate know why.
3: Ron DeSantis. No.
2: Absolutely not. Could you go to Austin, not Ron Texas? DeSantis, yes, actually, I would. I literally was like, I'd go visit Austin, Texas. My manager lives there. Josie's obsessed with That's Austin. That's where I would go. Yeah, I I know. I've been I've... wanting to go, Josie. Every since we watched Twenty Somethings, Austin. Yes. Oh, can
1: we We're talk like,
3: about that? We gotta go about that. Can we talk about the fact that that was one of the best unscripted programs ever
1: of all time? I just think it was genius. I have a friend, Isha, was on it. Oh! And she. We know
3: Isha. Yeah. Love her.
1: she, She was on it, and it was like, I was like, what the fuck is going on in this show? And she's like, it's crazy, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. It's crazy. 20-something Austin, I've never felt so seen because I'm sorry. These shows like Love is Blind, The Circle, Love Island, USA. There's no place for you on television. (laughs) Stop it. Stop. (laughs) Fuck the writer rooms for that one. I don't care. Go on strike for those. I'm tired of it. Love Island, UK, Mm -hmm. down for 20-something Austin, down for. Other than that,
3: (laughs) shove it up your ass and i will leave everything to go to austin with you if that is what you choose Please. to do but i think that's a beautiful thing that everyone realized post pandemic we could be literally anywhere mm-hmm. i remember i was getting a covid test and i was like i could live literally anywhere maybe i'll go to chicago for a summer you know god mm-hmm. took me across the world like it wasn't chicago but it was still amazing and i think it just made me realize like we can still have our people and our and our time and our purpose in any location possible. So I think that's amazing that you had that realization. And I'm really excited to see what you do with that.
2: Thank you. Well, I'm definitely coming to see you and Nola. That's my first stop. Are you, so, going, are you
3: going next weekend? <clears throat> um, no, I'm going to go at
2: the end of April. But I'm that's my first stop. And then it's probably just going to keep going. Because I've been invited to like, oh, my friend's like, I'm having a party in Mexico City for my birthday. Never been to Mexico City.
3: Great. I'm there. Let's recenter. Let's get back on track. So... I think with being a successful actress, there obviously comes difficulties with anyone, especially being a woman in this industry. But in your case, being a black woman in this industry and having that specific intersection, how have you navigated the question of should I just be grateful or should I demand what I deserve throughout all these projects that you've had? Well,
2: you know what? I am still figuring it out because there are so many conversations, particularly that I get to have with you and and, and Sabrina, um, Carpenter, one of my really good friends, and you both are so successful as well. And I think what's so great is that you guys remind me of my worth as like women who are you're a woman of color, but not black women, but in that sense of like I have Guidance, and you know what it is. I feel grateful that I have other women who are reminding me that I am allowed to demand what I deserve. Yeah, mm. and I think that that's so special, particularly because, of course, another Black woman is going to tell me, "You better ask for whatever you deserve." Da 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 da. da. Yeah. And of course, I'm going to say the same thing to her because I know that and I believe that. But it is very different when a white woman is telling me, this is what you should be getting paid. This is what you deserve. And I actually think that's real allyship. I think that that is real, like, progressive movement, because now you've allowed me, like, almost insight into your world of what, you know, it's what the average treatment is like for a white person, you know, and Mm -hmm. what that looks like. And now I'm like, that's what I deserve as well. You know what I mean? Because I'm in this industry. I'm working just as hard. I'm doing just as great work. That's what I deserve. So I'm still figuring it out as far as like how to use my voice and how to go about asking for it and demanding it um, and really what the way is to go about that. But I do have a really great team and I think I'm learning more and more what my worth is. And Josie, you do a really great job of reminding me of that. So thank you. I love you. Um, But I'm still really figuring it out because as you know, like sometimes I feel like Again, because six years ago I was working at Starbucks for minimum wage, a lot of times I feel just grateful to be here, like just Ooh. grateful to be doing what I'm doing, grateful to being able to pay my rent, grateful to be able to go into Whole Foods and buy whatever I want and go home for Easter and, and, and buy my family dinner and treat my, you know, I, I got a bounce house for my nieces and nephews. Like I just feel grateful that I can do those things, even though I know I'm still not getting what I deserve.
1: And two things can exist at the same time. Yeah. Where you can say, I'm just grateful to be here. Six years ago I was working at Starbucks. I'm grateful that I can even afford to, you know, provide for my family, et cetera, et cetera.
3: But also I need more. Not only because I need more, I deserve more. Right. And oftentimes being grateful is this thing that productions and executives and higher-ups use to mask your own needs Mm. and value that's just being ignored. And so, yes, I'm grateful. Yes, and I'm grateful, but this is what I deserve. Right. And I think I have seen you, just as your friend, grow that voice. And I'm so impressed by you and proud of you because it's not easy to do. And I remember reading and hearing from you, uh, article published um, I believe it was in Variety about an experience that you had on set do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: yeah sure so I was filming this project that I got to play a lacrosse player never played lacrosse before um, and you know they told me I was going to have a stunt double because I didn't have any training Um like lacrosse training and i showed up to set on my like big day with this big stunt and the stunt double was clearly painted in like <gasps> dark brown paint to look like me so she was black faced literally but in the stunt world they call it paint downs meaning you're painted down to match the actor that you hired instead of just hiring a black stunt double which exists There's so many, 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 very talented stuntpock.com. Literally, stuntpoc.com is where you go. It's like actor's access for stunt doubles of color. So, like, it's actually unacceptable. Anyways, that happened. I saw it immediately. I felt very uncomfortable. I was more so looking around, confused as to why everyone else was comfortable. I was like, does anyone else not see what's going on? So I advocated for myself the way I normally would I actually text my mom first and I was like this woman is in blackface and she's supposed to be me and I'm soaking. my mom was like hell no by the way context my mom is a discrimination investigator that's what she did for a living so she's so iconic <laughs> she is so iconic this woman right she is iconic my mom hey mom she's the best and so with that being said like obviously I'm aware of this situation. I know what's happening. I was raised with this type of stuff. So I text my mom immediately and she was like, absolutely not. You need to go speak to a producer, figure it out. And I'm like, okay. So I go up there and I ask the producer like, Hey, I just wanted to see what's going on. Like, I know I have a stunt today, but the stunt double is like black faced. And I don't understand why I don't have like a black stunt double. Isn't that the whole point of a stunt double? They're supposed to look like me. And she doesn't look like me at all. And the producer straight up, she was a white woman. She just literally looked at me and was like, we couldn't find any black stunt doubles that look like you, but you should be grateful to be here. Like, aren't you excited to be on the set and excited to be acting? Yeah, just be grateful for that. And turned and walked away and I'm, i just my stood blood there is boiling yeah i stood there feeling very torn down very yes. not seen very just like very very like low she made mm. me feel really low she made me feel like yes i'm an actor but like You're so indisposable that we literally didn't even care to find someone who looked like you and not even look like me. They don't. Sun doubles don't have to look like you, but didn't even find a black sun double like we went to find someone else and we were just going to paint them. And I was more upset by how many people it had to go through to get there, Mm -hmm. because not only are you the producer, wardrobe had to dress her, makeup had to paint her. Like all these people, casting the, had to cast her. Casting like, the stunt the stunt coordinator had to pick her. Like this had to go through so many people before I showed up to set that the idea that it was so it it I that I didn't matter that much that we could just throw anyone out there that we could just paint anyone. Yeah. Like it just was so um I don't want to say demeaning almost like degraded. I felt very it degraded. Is, it's, degrading.
1: it's it's, it's 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 disgusting. I was gonna say it's disrespectful. It's you're not a human. Yes, It's basically it felt what said, me. It's dehumanizing, and it's and like I really hope behind the scenes um, that woman, um, that producer gets what she deserves.
3: I'm sure, and she I, will.
1: I hope she gets held accountable for her I, actions. I mean,
3: that she knows who she is. is. And a that's horrifying, horrifying thing to go through. I'm so and I sorry. Am so I'm sorry so sorry that yeah. you had to experience that. And I think even speaking out about that is also a sign of bravery and protest. Yeah. It's a, it's a protest and it's, it takes a lot. And I don't think a lot of people would a feel comfortable speaking up on set, but let alone in a public manner like you did. But I think it actually was really groundbreaking that you did that. And I think it honestly is like really helpful for, you know, the many productions that, unfortunately, are literally stupid, yeah, and have probably done that before. I mean, if this woman's done it once, she's probably done it before. yeah. and so the fact that you were able to just speak about that I think is is pretty tremendous. What was it like having people read that and having that out there? What was the response? Well, most like? of the response
2: was actually really, really supportive, mm. which I'm really, really grateful for. I think. One of the reasons why I chose to share it in the summer of 2020 was because I was just starting to become a working actor and everything that I had worked on has been primarily white. So all my Mm. castmates were white, my producers, directors, pretty much everyone I had been working with was white. And everything I had done up to that point, I was pretty much a token black girl, like in everything Mm. I had done. And I really needed my peers, people that I worked with to realize racism is happening to every black person that you know, Mm -hmm. even in ways that you don't know about. So they've worked with me on sets that, you know, I was treated very well, where I was respected and I was, you know, treated very equally, but that, I needed them to see, like, I'm also in situations where I'm on sets and this shit is happening to me. Angelica, your friend that you love, who's bubbly, outgoing, and fun, and loving, people are still doing this to me. You just don't know about it. No. And I needed them to see, like, oh, fuck, this is even happening to, like, Ange. Like people that I love, you know what I mean? Because I feel like sometimes they think like, oh, that's only happening to certain people. That's not happening to people I know. You know what I mean? And I think that their eyes have really been opened now. But like that's every person of color has experienced something like that. Maybe it's a microaggression. Maybe it's a a macroaggression like what I experienced. But to some extent, everyone has experienced that. And I think that I really needed the people in my life to really see it. Because sometimes when it's not personally affecting you, you don't really get it. Nope. nope. Do you think no And do you think they did? I do. I think that for the most part, they absolutely did. Do I think that it came and went just like the black squares on Instagram? Yes. But I do think that it, it did affect them in the moment. And I think that it changed their perspective. Now, do I think that everyone is fully changed? No. But I do absolutely believe that any person I've ever worked with that has known me, that has seen that post, if they saw that on a set, I believe that they would be like, no. Absolutely not. Shut this shit down. We're not doing this. No. no. Right. Not going to happen. Um, but yeah, shout out to Jesse Williams. Jesse Williams from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. That's his yeah. last name. He's yeah. actually the one who reposted my post. And I have no idea. I've never met this man. I don't know how he saw. I don't know who of sent it to him. the hottest person right. on He's earth. Right. Like literally
1: the most sexy, right. attractive man on planet Earth. Yes. So oh, someone God. sent
2: my post to him. He reposted it on Instagram. And that's kind of how it went viral and kind of like blew up and got all of this traction. And then so many other black actors, actors who I've looked up to, were DMing me like, sis, the same thing happened to me something just happened to me last week on a set where they did a paint down on my stunt double. Something literally just happened, like, three months ago. Like, so many actors were coming out. And not just black actors. Latino actors, indigenous actors, Asian actors, like, of all different races were like, that has happened to me. And we were like, this cannot continue. They need to, like, figure this out. And so from there, I think that... um, the stunt community is really working on it and has been working on it, particularly stunt POC. Like that community that they have, they have been working on that for years before I even came into the picture. And so I think and I hope that there has been a light shined on that issue and so it never happens again because it's unacceptable. And also as just like a young black actress by myself on a set like I don't have a parent there I'm an adult like I'm still working but I'm still young and I'm still alone and to have no one else there to advocate for me was honestly a really traumatic experience because I had to figure it out on my own
1: yeah and and that's and, and you were put in a position where you were not only vulnerable
2: but you were the target yeah
1: whether it was intentional or not you were the target yeah and I did stand up for myself Uh, I actually did and I you you should be so damn proud of yourself because not only are you standing up for yourself but you're standing up for all the young like you said black and brown BIPOC indigenous people who have who has this has happened to yeah I'm really fucking proud of you thank you I love you and if I ever see that bitch she's done
3: (laughs) she's done (laughs) well and look at And look at all the work that you've already done so far and that you're going to continue to do. And looking forward in the future, I mean, you have already accomplished so much. You've campaigned and organized with Alyssa Milano. You've been in rooms with Kerry Washington. You've been on the ground. You've been active through social media for years now. Where do you see yourself in the next few years, career-wise, but also... In this form of civic engagement that you've taken on as kind of like an icon, dare I say?
2: Hmm, that's a good one. I love the phrase that you just said civic engagement because i don't feel comfortable calling myself an activist like sure you can do act you can have activism like everyone has moments where they can you know have activism work and they can do that but calling myself an activist i feel like is a slap in the face to all activists that do that 24/7 who are mm-hmm. on the ground in grassroots organizations, going door-to-door. Like this is knocking. their life. That's their life. That's what they do. Yeah. That's how they make their living. Or that's what they spend all of their money on when they have a side job. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't feel comfortable calling myself that, but I really like that you said, I'm civically engaged. And I think that that's a better phrase, um, being civically engaged. Um, and you know what? Career-wise, I hope that in, like, the next five years, 20 years that I continue to work and I hope that I get to do work that really shows off more range of what I can do. And I look forward to working with just, like, amazing people. I care more about working with amazing people than just amazing actors, actually. Or just amazing people that are good at what they do. Because there's a lot of people that are good at what they do. But, like, I don't want to spend 14 hours with someone who's a shitty person and good at what they do. No. I want to spend 14 hours with people who are good at what they do and are good people. And Mm. I think that my value system has just changed over the past few years, primarily since the pandemic, but specifically just within the last year, I think my value system has changed and I just value people and I value human connection and I value good people, genuine people more than I value people that can do something for me.
1: And I think when you have that connection with good people, that's when you make the best art. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the outcome that everyone wants at that? Yeah. On set. You know, I feel like that's a good place to kind of circle this out because here at dare we say from the beginning, we've never wanted to call ourselves activists because we're not, we are disruptors. We're civically engaged and aggressively hot. And I couldn't think of anyone better than yourself, Angelica for being a disruptor for breaking the status quo, for being a grace, for being a, a light at the end of the tunnel for so many people. I'm lucky that Josie, and Alicia introduced me to you because I know for a goddamn fact you're a lifelong.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, like, I know that.
1: And I I love you. We're
2: so, so, so thankful for having for, for you coming on this podcast. Thank you. I love you. I feel so honored and so grateful to be here. And while I'm here, I just want to say that I am also so proud of y'all. Like, if everyone doesn't know, you guys literally built this shit from scratch. Like, I remember sitting in Josie's house on the couch and you guys being like, we have this podcast idea and we're going to go, like, try to pitch it and try to sell it. And you fucking did it. So I hope that you all are also equally as proud of yourselves and proud of what you've done. You've done so many incredible episodes. You have talked and shared your life with the world. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited to see where all of you go and all the things that you guys do. And I know this is just the beginning, whether, like, more podcasts, less podcasts, more acting, more comedy, more whatever, you're going to shine and be so successful at everything you do. And also, yes, because you're so talented, but mainly because you're genuine good humans. And I really believe that you are going to go so far because you're good people and you love people and you treat people the way you want to be treated. And as much as we don't get to see that a lot in LA, I'm so grateful that I get to have a community of people who think that way and see the world the same way. And I just know that we're all gonna just do so well. I think that's why I have so much peace right now in my life because I just feel the most surrounded by genuine good people than I ever have. And I just know that we're gonna be taken care of. Like God's got us, the universe got our back. The universe is gonna take care of everything because we're we're doing everything right. We're like being our best selves. And you know what? Even if not, we're still going to be OK because we're smart enough and we'll figure it the fuck out.
3: Yes, we will. I love you so much, Angie. I, I love, love you, the moon. you. Thank you for your kind, supportive words. I feel the exact same way about you thank you for coming on the pod i love you once this camera cuts i'm jumping you. on top of you ah, i Are can't we wait good
1: to go thank you for listening make sure to subscribe like and share thank you angelica washington and praise Woo! this
3: is streaming on peacock right now yes it is right Watch. now
1: stream that shit stream that shit Woo! i love you guys so much
3: Dare We Say is a Crooked Media production.
1: Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. And Sandy Girard is the almighty executive producer.
3: It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda.
1: And me, Yasmeen Hamadi.
3: And me,
0: Alicia Pascual-Pena. Our engineer and editor is Jordan Cantor, and Brian Vasquez is our theme music composer. Our video producers are Matt DeGroote, Narm Melkonian, and Dylan Villanueva, and Mia Kelman. Lastly, thank you to
3: Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverett, Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okaladi for marketing the show and making us look so damn good.